Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. Let's join in for this week's message. Come on, 11 years. Come on, I think we ought to celebrate. 11 years. It has been amazing. In fact, as I'm thinking about it this past week and preparing for the message today, I can't help but get a little bit nostalgic about all the things, all the stories that come to mind. In fact, there's a few stories that I could tell on y'all that would embarrass you, but I won't do that because I know you have stories that you could tell on me that would embarrass me as well, but I do want to celebrate. I mean, it's been an awesome, awesome 11 years. God has done so much in so many of our hearts and lives. It has been amazing. Everybody say amazing. It has been amazing. And yet, as amazing as it has been, it hasn't always been amazing. Come on, right? How many know there have been some ups and there have been some downs? There have been some good days and there have been some bad days. There's been some mountaintops and there's been some valleys. But one phrase describes it all that I was thinking about as I was preparing for this message today. And that is this, even the ups and downs, the goods, the bads, all the, all the victories and all the struggles. Here's the thing is that it has been worth it. Everybody say it's been worth it. It's been worth it. It really has been worth it. As I look around and I see what God has done in our church in the last 11 years, as I look around, I see some of your good looking faces here today and I see your families and I think about the stories and I think about all the things that God has done in 11 years, even though it hasn't been easy, even though there have been struggles, even though there have been bad days, I got to say it's worth it. You are worth it. So everybody look at your neighbor, just tell them you're worth it. I don't care what anybody else says. You're worth it. You are worth it. And here's the deal is that you're not just worth it to me. You are worth it to God. Like, like you are worth it to him. You are incredibly, every one of you, incredibly valuable to God. In fact, it reminds me of this passage I want us to look at today. If you have your Bibles, you might want to go ahead and open them up and turn with me to Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 26. And let's, let's read it here together today. It says, look at the birds of the air. This is Jesus talking. He says, they do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more, what? Everybody say this word, much more valuable than they. Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field, they grow and they do not labor or spend. And yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. Is that how God, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Jesus says, hey guys, I want you to look at the birds in the air. Come on now, how many have ever looked at a bird as it flies through the air? I mean, it's amazing. It's, it's a miracle. It's, it's majestic as that, thing, as that thing floats through the air. And Jesus says, I want you to look at the birds of the air. He says, I want you to look at the flowers of the field. Have you ever just looked at the flowers and just, I mean, just thought about the miracle that that is? I mean, just think about the whole process and the way God designed it, the way it, the way it has to work. In fact, there's a, a movie from a few years ago go. Some of you might, might remember it. I know it in my house because I have a 20 month little boy in the house. And so it's on Netflix now. And so it's like the one that like we play all the time. Thanks a lot, Netflix. You know, it's called the, the B movie. Anybody remember the B movie? 
right? And so we watch this movie all the time. And as, as Easton was watching it the other day, I was thinking about this verse. And I was thinking, you might remember the part in the story where the bees decided, we're not making no more honey and we're not going to pollinate no more. And you remember what happened? Like all the flowers died and the world got all pretty screwed up and stuff. And I started thinking like, like this is amazing. The miracle of how, how the bird flies through the air and the miracle of how, how the bees pollinate the flowers that keep everything going and the intricacy of the beauty of a flower. I mean, if you ever looked at a flower, there are no two flowers that are exactly alike. And you look at the beauty of the field and, and all of that, that is, that is a miracle. And it's, it's majestic and it's amazing. And then Jesus says, I want you to see all of these things that I have created that are of such great value. But then he says something that's incredible. He says, and now this is what I want you to know. You are much more valuable than even that. You are more amazing. You are more beautiful than, than even that. Now, I know some of you are here today and you say, I don't feel very beautiful. Like, I look at my life and I, I feel like, man, my life's a mess. My marriage is a mess. My, my family is a mess. My, man, my house is a mess. My hair is a mess. My clothes are a mess. It's the reason we're here at 11.50 because we just barely got the family together to be here for the last service. I mean, if you look at my life, it doesn't feel very beautiful. It feels like a big giant mess. And yet God says, no, 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 you are beautiful to me. I love you so much. You are more valuable than even the most amazing miracle on this planet. You are valuable. You're worth it to me. Jesus goes on and he says in the book of, in the book of Luke chapter 12 and verse 6, he says, And are not five sparrows sold for just two pennies? And yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs on their head are all numbered. But don't be afraid, for you are what? You are worth much more than that to me. I mean, think about it. I mean, a sparrow is, is pretty much the most ordinary of all birds in the world. I, I kind of did a little research on it as I was studying for this message, and I found out that actually the most common bird in the world is a sparrow. That there are so many. I actually tried to find out how many, how many sparrows are there in the world, and no scientist could even make, a, a, make an estimate about it because there's so many. I mean, these are birds that are just common and ordinary, and yet God says that even when just one of the billions of sparrows in the world falls to the ground, that God sees them fall to the ground. But then he goes on and says that you are even more valuable than that to me. That if this common bird, that they die all the time, if I see that then how much more do I see your struggle? Some of you are here today and you're like, man, I'm struggling and I got some pain and I got some stuff going on in my life. And maybe you're even here and you feel like, I don't feel very, like, very valuable. I don't feel like I have very much worth. But God says to every single one of us here today, if I see a sparrow when it falls to the ground, how much more do I see your struggle and your pain and the things that are happening in your life? You are valuable to me. You're valuable to God. People are valuable to God and not just you, man, your friends, your family, your neighbors, the people that you know, the people that you go to school with, the people that you live in the neighborhood with. They are so valuable to God that he paid the ultimate price for them in sending his son, Jesus, to this earth. In fact, this is what the scripture has to say about it. In Romans, Romans chapter 8 and verse 32, it says that since God did not even spare his own son, but he gave him up for all of us, won't he also give us everything else as well? 
that, that God loved us so much that, that we are so valuable to him, that you are so valuable to him, that your neighbor is so valuable to him, that your friend and your family member and the people of this community are so valuable to him that he would give the greatest gift ever given, that he would pay the ultimate price in giving his own life for us. That is your value. That is my value. That is the value of the people in this community. They're worth it. You're worth it. The truth is, this is the whole reason that we're here as a church. This is the why behind the what that we do as a church. This is the reason that over 11 years ago, God put in our hearts to move to Burleson and plant a church. The why is you. The why is people. The why is, is marriages that are struggling and just barely making it. The why is, is people who are, who are addicted and God wants to, bring, wants to bring freedom and healing in their life. The why is people who feel down and out. The why is people who are hurting and God wants to bring healing. The why, the why behind the what is, is, is people. It's people who feel like they're like they're lost or insecure and they need hope in their life or maybe they feel like an outcast and they need a family and they need people surrounding them. They need to know the love of God. Those people are the reason that God has brought us here. You are the reason that we exist as a church. You and I are worth it. This is why we're here. This is our, this is our whole vision is reaching people, changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. People that are hurting, coming to know and have a relationship with God. But here's what we have to understand is that just as Jesus had to pay a price to reach us, it's going to cost us something to reach others. In fact, the reason I have to say today people are worth it is because when we decide to reach people, there are going to be some prices that we're going to have to pay. In fact, if you're taking notes, you might want to write them down. Just three or four things that, that came to mind as I was preparing. The first one is this, is that people are worth the pain. In fact, let's just get real, all right, here today. People are a pain. They are. In fact, just look at your neighbor. Tell them you're a pain. If it's your spouse sitting next to you, don't do it, okay? You're, you're a pain. Isn't that true? I'm a pain too sometimes. Like, and here's the thing. I mean, when we came here to plant this church 11 years ago, God put it on our heart to reach, uh, to reach hurting people in our community. And can I tell you, I mean, we haven't been perfect at it, but we've done our best to try to, to try to really reach people who are lost and people who are hurting and people who are struggling. And there have been times, man, when we gave of ourselves. There have been times when we gave of our finances. There have been times when we've been there for people that, uh, that were struggling. We've been there for people in the difficult times of their life. And can I tell you that there have been some people that we've been there for and we loved them and they didn't love us back. There have been times when we've been there with people in their hurts and then later on they turned their back on us or they said bad things about us or they gossip behind our back or hurt us in ways that, man, that are difficult to deal with. Come on, I'm just, can I be real? It's just, it's just the way it is. And here's, I like what John Maxwell has to say about it. Like hurt people hurt people. And isn't that true? And guys, here's, here's the deal is I'm inviting you to be a part of the vision that God has given us to reach hurt people and reach hurting people in our communities. But here's what I also have to warn you is that if you decide to get on the team and be a part of reaching hurt people in our community, you got to be prepared. You're going to be hurt too. There are going to be people that are going to lash out, people that you're going to love that aren't going to love you back. And when it happens, I want you to remember Jesus. Jesus wanted to give His best for us. We were of such great value that he was willing to come down from heaven to this earth. And yet, what happened? What was the response that we gave him, that people gave him to the love that he gave us? The response was that they took him and nailed him on a cross. 
The response was that the people that he spent the most time with and poured the most into, those were the people that denied him. Those were the people that, that betrayed him. Those were the people that, that ran away when he was at his worst moment. And the truth of the matter is, is that if we're going to reach people, it's sometimes going to hurt and we've got to decide in our hearts, is it worth it? And I will tell you, it's worth it. People are worth it. They're worth the pain. Number two, write this down. Not only are people worth the pain, but people are worth the mess. <laughs> How many know people are messy? Relationships are messy. Like, I mean, if you're going to get in there and love people, like, it's, just, it's a mess because people are full of dysfunction. People are full of messed up stuff that has happened in their life. In fact, I think this is the reason many churches don't really reach lost people. The reason is because it's so messy. Because when you really get in there with people that are hurting and struggling, man, you're going to get some of that stuff on you. And it's a whole lot easier to just be a nice little Christian, get on your Sunday best, and go to church every now and then, throw a couple bucks in the offering, and kind of kind of do your nice little religious duty and keep your nice, clean, safe, comfortable life. It's a whole lot easier to do that than it is to really get in the mess with people. The truth is, man, when we think about it, look at Jesus. He dealt with some messed up people and you know who were the most messed up people the 12 disciples that were with him every day i mean think about it here's jesus about to give himself for for all of humanity and what are the disciples doing they're arguing about who's the greatest among them right what's happening judas one of the 12 is stealing out of the money that they've raised for the ministry i mean these guys are messed up peter is slicing guys ears off and jesus is having to put him back on it i mean you know what i'm saying these guys like Jesus just heals, I mean, just feeds 5,000 people with five loaves, two fish. They get in the boat and the, I mean, and then the disciples start whining about, we don't got any bread to eat. And Jesus just fed 5,000 people. It's like somebody called the ambulance. You know what I'm saying? I mean, come on people. Right. And this is the truth is that people are dysfunctional. And if, man, if we're going to reach them, we've got to be willing to get some mess on us. In fact, it's like some of my friends, some of my close friends, uh, they used to say this. They still say it, actually. They said, if you're going to get in the toilet with people, you just got to be willing to get some crap on you. <laughs> and it's true, isn't it? In fact, I've seen that, that family get in the toilet with people time and time and time and time again. And I guarantee they would stand on this stage even today and say, but it's worth it. People are worth it. They're worth the pain. They're worth the mess. Number three, write this down. They're worth the money. (laughs) Come on, somebody say money. (laughs) Money. I wish this wasn't true, but it is. The truth is that it takes money to do ministry. Money and mission are connected. If we could reach people without asking you to give, we probably wouldn't do that anyway because the Bible says you should give, but it'd be a lot easier. It would, but it don't work that way. If we're going to reach people in our community the way that God has called us to reach them, then guess what? It's going to cost. It's, it's going to cost us something. Being willing to give of ourselves, not just of our own lives, but to be able to give of our finances. In fact, every week we stand up here and challenge you to give. And I know what people think, and I know what people even say. Oh, they talk about money too much at that church. And, da, 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 da. and let me just tell you something. It ain't about money. You know what it's about? It's about the mission. And what is the mission? People. When you really get down to it, it's about people. In fact, in just, in just a few weeks, we're going to be kicking off a campaign to help raise money for our, for our new building that we're going to be building to reach more people. And some people might say, ah, we're going to skip during that campaign because they're just going to talk about money and stuff like that. And let me just tell you something. It ain't, it's not about money. It's not about building buildings. You know what it's about? It's about building people. And it takes money to build people. And we have to decide in our heart, is it worth it? Yes, I think it is. It's worth the pain. It's worth the mess. It's worth the money. Number four, it's worth the time. Everybody say time. People are worth the time. How many know it's going to take time to reach people? 
whole lot of precious time. It's going to take patience and time to do it, 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 to do it. Right, child? Y'all don't know that song? Like in my mind, in my office, I thought that'd be a better joke than that. And y'all, I don't know. How many know it's taken 11 years to get to where we're at now? It's taking a long time. And this is just the beginning. It's going to take us being willing to give of our time for people that God loves. We've got to get that in our heart that if God loves them, if they were worth it to him, then they got to be worth it to us, even if that means giving of our time. And for some of us, man, it would be a whole lot easier to just write a check and give a check than it is to actually give time because time is a commodity that if we give it, we can't get it back. But here's the deal. God has called us all to give financially towards the mission and towards reaching people, but he's also called us to give of our time, to use our talents and our tre- and our treasures and everything that we have for the people in this community because They were worth it to God. They ought to be worth it to us. People are worth it. So you say, all right, cool, Pastor. Like, I get that, but how do we do that as a church? Well, I really think that there there are four steps that God wants us as a church to be taking. In fact, I think this is really the mission of the church. This is how we decide whether we are are successful as a church or not over this last 11 years. And that is this. If you're taking notes, you might want to write them down. It starts with this. Lost people, saved. Then it goes from lost people saved to saved people healed. And then healed people trained and trained people sent. In fact, why don't you say those with me today? Lost people saved. Come on, I say it aloud, not a soft. Okay, let's try this again. Lost people saved, saved people healed, healed people trained, and trained people sent. This is the mission of the church. That if God, if we are, if we are valuable to God, and if the people of our community are valuable to us, then this is what God has called us to do. That those who are lost would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But it doesn't just end there, although that is the first step and that is the most important step. But how many know that you don't just need to get saved? There's sometimes there's stuff that you need God to deal with, and there's hurts and there's pains that you need to get some freedom and some healing from so you get saved. But then you come to a place where you can find some healing and the presence of God can begin to do some stuff in your life. But then once you get healed up, that's not where it ends either, man. You got to, you got to discover what's my purpose and what does God want me to do with my life. And so you get trained up to do that so that you can be sent out into a world that's lost and hurting and the cycle can start all over again. In fact, this is what we see throughout the Bible. I, I could just share with you a whole bunch of scriptures, but I'm just going to share a couple with, the, with you today. We find it in, here in Exodus chapter six and verse six. Let's look at it together. Look what it says. It says, therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord who will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Now notice a few, a few words here. The first words are, God says, I, here's what I want to do. I want to bring you out. What's that talking about? It was talking about the Israelites who were in slavery. What did he want to do? He wanted to save them. He wanted to deliver them. What does this bring you out? This is lost people saved. This is a new way of life, an old way of life and something new because God comes into you. And this is what God wants to do. He wants to lost people saved. He wants to bring you out. But then notice what he says after that. He says, and I will free you from being slaves. Now, now think about this for a second. It seems like he said the same thing twice because they were slaves and he says I'm going to bring you out but then he says I'm going to free you from being slaves what's what's that talking about there what he's he's talking about is that you know you can get saved and still be messed up 
You can still have hurts. In fact, you can get out of Egypt and still have Egypt inside of you. So it doesn't start just with bring you out, or it doesn't stop with bring you out. It goes to that next level of, hey, I don't want just lost people to get saved. I want those saved people to find a place where they can get, they can get healed. They can be free from that bondage that they had before they came to the Lord. But then notice what he says, the second thing, and I will redeem you. Everybody say redeem you. I will redeem you. What does that mean? That means that that word redeem, actually, it actually means to restore something to its original intent or purpose. So what's it talking about here? It's talking about, hey, not only do I want to bring you out, not only do I want to free you or heal you, this is what I want to do. I want to set you back. I want to redeem you to the original intent and purpose that I created you to be on this earth for. What's it talking about? It's talking about, it's talking about people who are healed, being trained, and knowing what their purpose and their, and their ministry is here on this planet, so that then look what he says, I will take you as my people. Everybody say, my people. Notice something happens. There's a, there's a switch that kind of happens here. Before it was singular. It was you, 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 you. But now he's talking about people. He's talking about, he's talking about we. What, what, is, what is he talking about here? He's talking about, hey, once you've been saved and once you've been healed up as God begins to do that work, and then once you find what your purpose is and start getting trained in that, then what do I want you to do? I want you to get a part of a team. I want you to be a part of a family so that you can be sent out to begin this process again with those who are lost and need to be saved. You say, that sounds pretty good, Pastor. That was Old Testament, though. Where do you find that in the New Testament? Well, let's look at it. Mark chapter 16. Jesus is talking to his disciples in verse number, verse number 15. Look what he says to them. He says, and so I said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And whoever believes is baptized and saved, and whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. And then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied. Check these words out. Go and preach. What's that talking about? It's talking about lost people saved, right? You getting the pattern here? You following me? Go and preach. But then what happens? Whoever believes will be baptized. In fact, we're going to do that in just a little bit, baptize some people, but he's not just talking about the act or the ceremony of baptism. He's talking about a cleansing from my own old life. It's I'm going to get saved. And then what's going to happen is that God's going to begin to work in me and heal me and cleanse me and change me. And then what's going to happen? Signs are going to accompany. Here's what's going to happen is that everyone's going to be able to look at my life and realize that, hey, I'm working in the purpose that God has for me. It will be evident in my life because I'm getting saved. Then I'm being healed. Then I'm being trained up in the purpose God has for for me so that what can happen, then I can be sent out like the disciples were sent out everywhere to do the work of God. This is what we do as a church. In fact, this is how we measure success here at LifeGate Church. Are we doing these four things? Are people moving in these steps? Are we seeing lost people come to be saved? If we're not seeing that as a church, we might as well just close the doors and go home because that's what it's all about. But that's not where it ends. When people come to know Jesus, it's not just about saying a prayer. It's not just about making a commitment, even being baptized. You know what it's about? It's about life change. That's what we're all about. It's about now God can begin to do a healing work in me and free me from some of those old habits and addictions and hurts and stuff like that. And then as God begins to do that ministry work in me, then what happens? Then I can find a place that I can, I can learn why God put me on this planet. I can get trained to do that so that then I can be sent out to do the ministry and the work that God has for me. See, here's the deal. The ministry is not just for the pastor. It's for every one of you. 
And if we see this happen as a church, this is the finish line. This is the goal. That lost people would be saved. Saved people would be healed. Healed people would be trained. And trained people would be sent out. This is who we are and what we do. Why? Because people are valuable to God. So you say, well, how does that happen here at Life? Yeah, I'll tell you how it happens. Write these down. We see lost people saved by designing a service so that people can come to know God. In fact, that's what today is all about. That's what Sundays are all about. And we have our three services on a Sunday. The whole reason we have these services is to be a safe place so that you can invite people, so that people can come, people who are away from God, people who don't know God, people who might at one time have known God, but they're not where they should be, that you can bring them to this place and it will be a safe place, a warm place, a loving place, a place where people will surround them and they can hear the message of God and they can come to know him as the Savior and Lord of their life. In fact, this is why we do church the way that we do it. It's why we have the type of music that we have. It's why we have the type of building that we have. It's why we have the type of services that we have. It's why the services are so consistent. It's so that every week you can know what to expect. And you can know that, hey, any Sunday is a good Sunday to invite someone to church. I mean, think about it. Have you ever thought this before? Like, I want to invite someone, but I'm not sure if I invite them. Is this going to be the Sunday when they get weird? You know, you know what I'm saying? Come on, right? I've been there before. Like, I've been to those churches where I'm like, I want to invite them, but last week was okay. I'm not sure if it's going to be okay this week. And so this is why the church is the way that it is, is that every Sunday the pastor is weird. We know that, okay? We have to get past that, but every Sunday is consistent. Why? Because it's a safe place. We want it to be a safe place. In fact, this is why next week, in fact, in your, in your uh, seats there, you see these invitation cards next week. We're kicking off a series. Every series is a good series to invite a friend to, but this will be especially good series to invite a friend to because we're going to be talking about some of the whys about God, some of the whys that you might have, but some of the whys that maybe your friends might have also, stuff like, why didn't God answer my prayer? Or why don't I always feel God? Or why, why do bad things happen, especially when we see the things that are happening with these hurricanes and stuff? And why is that going on? Why am I even here? on this planet and this is this is what we do Sundays is the place where you can invite someone who doesn't know God or is not where they need to be with God and feel like it's going to be a safe place where they're going to be loved and where the message is going to be clear so that they can come to a place where they can know God that's what Sundays are about but it doesn't stop there we don't want just people to lost people to get saved we want we want those that have been saved to get healed and this is how it happens at life at life gate it happens in a life group This is why we have life groups. In fact, next week, life groups are kicking off for the fall semester. And here's the thing is what we know is that life life, uh, change begins in a Sunday service. But where it really happens is is in a community. It's in relationships. It's when we get people around us. I know, you know, my sermons are good, but they're not really life changing. You know, y'all could have said amen when I said that there. I didn't expect anybody to laugh, you know, but... But here's the thing, my sermon, my sermon doesn't change people's life. You know, it changes people's life, obviously, the power of God. But you know how he does it so many times? Through relationships, through community. When you find a place where you can, you can get people that love you and surround you and they pray for you and you do life together and they go through the ups and the downs and the ins and the outs and they keep you accountable. In fact, this is what uh, James chapter 5 says. It says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Now notice, it doesn't say confess your sins to God or confess your sins to a priest. It says confess your sins to who? One another. We confess our sins to God to get, to get freedom, to get saved, to get forgiveness. We confess our sins and our struggles and our stuff to one another so that we find healing. 
If you're not in a life group, you need to be in a life group. We want every person at LifeGate to be in a life group. If you don't know which one to get involved in, just look around. You'll see some people with some green T-shirts that say, ask me about my life group. If you're nervous to ask them, go to the life wall out there, and all of the groups are out there, what night they're going to be on, where they're at, all the kind of stuff. And everybody get into a life group. Because here's what we're trying to see. Lost people saved, saved people healed. But then number three, we want to see healed people trained up to know their purpose so that God can use them. How's that happen at LifeGate? It happens every Sunday during this service, during the 1150 service in the conference room. We have what we call Life Track. And in Life Track, you know what you find out? You find out how do I know what God put me on this planet for? In fact, we help you by taking you through a spiritual gifts assessment and t- taking you through some personality training and some different things. You can become a member of the church during that class. And it's right there where we help you to just get a little bit of training to know what does God call me to do so that then we can be sent out into the purpose that God has for us. And where do we get sent out at LifeGate? We get sent out by being on a team, by getting on a life team, by finding a place that you can use your gifts and your talents and your, and your personality and your experiences and all the stuff that God has put in your life so that you can make a difference here on this earth and in this world. And some of you say, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Well, going through LifeTrack is going to help you. But you know, another way to find out, just get on team and try. Like maybe you want to get on the parking team. Maybe you want to get on the usher team or the greeters team. Or maybe you want to be uh, working with the kids in the nursery or helping with, with life kids. Or maybe you want to get involved in, in the team here on Wednesday nights with, uh, with the youth ministry that's taking place. By the way, this last Wednesday night at Blitz, 31 teenagers gave their heart to Jesus. Come on. Like, yeah. And you know what they need? They've got junk they need to work through too. And they need someone to help them find healing and find their purpose so that they can make a difference in their life. And maybe you want to get involved there. Get on an outreach team that goes out and serves the homeless or or on a team that goes down and helps when we have hurricane issues and all that. Just find a team, get plugged in, and get on board and get involved. Because here's the deal. It may be hard. It may cost you something. There may be some pain involved. There may be some mess involved in that. And and there will be. But here's the deal. It's worth it. When you're able to look at your life and say, my life counted for something that was bigger than just me. My life made a difference in the life of someone else. Then you're able to say, man, it's worth it. And people are worth it because they're worth it to God. So they're worth it to me. And so even though it might mean it's going to cost me some time and some money and some pain and some mess, I'm willing to step into it so that the mission of God can take place.